Hello, everyone, and welcome to the McGill Sports Magic Club Speaker Series. Uh, I'm joined here today uh, by Mario Ciccini. He is the commissioner of the QMJHL. He has a lot of experience in business, was the president of the Montreal Alouettes as well. So, Mario, thank you so much for uh, being here today. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Uh, so, yeah, I guess just to start off, for the people that are on this call and listening um, that don't know as much about your background, is it possible to just kind of tell us a little bit about your path into sports? Well, I uh, actually sports started a little bit. I had a media career that spanned from 1984 to 2018, so about 34 years. Yeah. And in those years, I um, I was the producer of a sports show back in 1992, the year the Canadians won the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying I have anything to do with it, but just so <laughs> happens that way. And it helps. Uh, it helps. And uh, then I managed, I had the opportunity to manage part. I was in radio stations with telemedia. Okay. And part of the stage, part of the part of our uh, stables, I guess, stable of a radio station was the Fan 590 in Toronto. So that was my first taste then of managing sports journalists and personalities, if you will, former players and all that. And then we created CKC Sports in Montreal, the, uh, the first uh, French all sports radio station that since okay. then there's been many and uh, also uh, managed for three years before I stopped the radio career uh, 91.9 which is the French uh, also a French all sports station so basically that's how it started and then I decided to uh, to take it easy a little bit and you know try to work 20 hours a week that lasted only <laughs> eight months when the Alouettes called and uh, there was a wonderful ride from um, from the um, the human level point of view. Of, you know, okay. reaching with uh, Danny Machocha and uh, a man who has become a friend and a brother, and um, and then obviously uh, learning through a very challenging uh, management situation with the ownership that it's well documented. But yeah, talk about it if if uh, you like. And when that ended, but then uh, right away moved into the queue because um, I guess I wasn't done. I, I thought I was okay to work 20 hours a week, but the passion was still there and uh, working alongside a team and people uh, that was still there. So it's been now eight months with the queue, I think, eight months. Uh, started May 8th, so about seven months. And uh, and things are good. So that's the – came in as, as commissioner, the, to be clear. And the Alouettes, I was president. So, so um, it's um, it's I'm I'm very very fortunate to have the those yeah. opportunities that are that are rare. So I'm I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I find your background so interesting, just because a lot of the people we've had on on this podcast, their backgrounds are different. So it was people that were like, you know what, I always wanted to work for an NHL team. They started off from the bottom and kind of worked their way up. Whereas you were involved in other industries before getting involved more in sports. How do you think that um, that background like made an impact on your mindset? Oh, I think it was um, extremely helpful. I think, first of all, you know, uh, uh, the strength of a consultant is that he's 50,000 foot away, right? And he's not trapped okay. into the day-to-day -day operation that tends to limit how you view things. Um yeah, so that's what I that's what I think coming from the outside in the beginning brings a really new set of eyes on the same thing, you know. Okay. And that's very, very crucial to me. 
that uh, you don't fall into the trap of, and then you get contaminated. You know, you fall into the trap of, we always done it that way. Uh, I don't want to review this because, you know, it's going to make my life a bit different. I won't be comfortable and I'm not seeing the outcome. So why change? And sometimes you miss the opportunity that way. And it's very human and it's not negative. People just, you know, there's life, business life goes a thousand kilometers an hour. Um, you know, the situation with labor also, it's not, it's not as if most companies right now are not, don't have two people for the same job, you know, they yeah. have one people for three jobs. So nobody in their right mind would be looking to change things that could be working because it's going to make, so all of these things, you need that outside look in order to get better, in order okay. to push yourself. Uh, so in my view, um, that's what it brings. And to me, uh, uh what was ratings, in the media world has become attendance in the sports world. What was the radio product and a show has become the show you put on the field. So it's the True. performance of the Alouettes or performance of every team in the queue. Cause now I don't, I don't manage a team when I, when you're commissioner and I used to manage a team. So more direct involvement. So there's a lot of parallel to be done. And the structure of this, this is about the same. Then you get promotions, then you get marketing. You obviously get the back office. And I say that with the greatest of respect, back office of uh, administration and accounting and clerical support. So all of this goes together in every, obviously every, or most most business that you're dealing with and, and you're client facing. So you got to make someone happy, whether it's yeah. a ticket holder or whether it's a listener or whether it's a, it's a parent that comes to watch their kid play hockey at, at, at the queue to know that they're safe. Different stakeholders always have to be taken care of in their own fashion. So, How do you think that this more like consultancy approach has fared you uh, with the Alouettes or the QMJHL? Well, I think it, it's exactly that. The fact that um, if you can couple, uh, put together, when I say couple, Having a look that's a bird's eye view, okay. then having the courage to roll up your sleeve and do the work uh, has always served me well. It's really, I think, the best recipe. Too quickly, because people, your your people, the the day to day will take you in. They it will suck you in, and then you don't have time to to think yeah. about the future. And it's hard to think about the future. It's hard because you have to realize that. In two years from now, something will be invented, especially in technology, or will happen that will change the habits again of a certain demo or of a certain way of doing things. So you have to really set back and be ready to, as I say, walk on, on shaky grounds and get comfortable doing that. You know, yeah. when major change happen, um and the late, I call, I, I don't know when, if there's a date, most people say 1994, because of the internet, that's when things really change. Okay. Uh, speed of things and all of that. But I had sense to change technological a little bit before that. But uh, it's mostly the speed that to me, I find at the way, you know, you used to, you don't know these, these days, but you would send the presentation. First of all, you type it in the typewriter. So when a client was asking <laughs> something, you had sort of three days and a half. To do it and you give it yeah. to a in the bike who would go across town and deliver it when it was urgent otherwise you'd use the mail yeah. uh, uh, so basically we went from having three days to do something 
two, sometimes now three hours, the expectations. I can reach you at night. I need this urgently. And since I can reach you at night and you have your computer at home and you can jump on your PowerPoint, and then it's got to be done by noon the next day. And we've taken the habit. Well, that takes the thinking and the planning out of a lot of good conversation. So I think that's what, when you step away, that's what it brings. You sort of look at yourself on the outside and you have to say, okay, slow down, man, because this is good. You're taking care of today. But in your position, you know, in a position of, of leadership, uh, your main role is to take care of the future. Make yeah. sure that the future is good, that there's that's there's job growth, that there's that there's just overall growth where everybody can be happy and, and flourish. I mean, that's that's the goal. So if you don't step back and you just wait for opportunities, it's good to be opportunistic, don't get me wrong, but you cannot just wait for the good opportunity because it may never come. And I've always said good leaders create those opportunities. So you have to be out front. And for that, you have to stand back, look at the whole forest and pick your priorities. And just once you make up a plan, stick to it. Yeah, I honestly think that's just super interesting and like helpful for everyone to know. Like, I don't know, in business classes at McGill, I know that they're certainly trying to like push that message to think about the future. Also, you're obviously working the day to day, but look to the future a lot of the times. So I think that's just obviously a, a super helpful like word of advice. Well, I, I, yeah. the difficulty sometimes is to make it practical. Okay. So I, for instance, in my calendar, there's always minimum two hours a week. Minimum. That's minimum. Okay. I try to do it every day, half an hour. There's a block time. It's called 2030. So okay. who do I want the league to look at in 2030? Seven years time span. Sometimes yeah. I think, how do I want the schooling to improve for the kids? How do we protect the kids better with equipment? How do we, how do we, I don't know, improve our infrastructure? How do we improve the shows and help the teams that way? How do we sell tickets in a better fashion? How do we operate costing less? Whatever question you want to ask yourself, it's forcing you and it's in the calendar, you know? So if you respect your calendar a bit, then it's there. So you build the rest of the week around it. So that's because you have to make it practical. Too easy to pick. It's like training, you know? Okay. I'll be heard. If if you don't put training in your calendar, you won't do it in three months. It's the first thing it can take away. So to me, it's training your mind. It's a gymnastics to do that on a regular basis. It's challenging. Uh, but then you get your team and other people to think the same way. And then we come together and shock of ideas and usually something something better comes out of it. What was any consolation? I'm now excited to see what the league looks like in 2030 uh, as a result of <laughs> as a result of everything. Me too, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of talked a little bit about this earlier when you went in with the Alouettes, but Obviously, with the Q and the Alouettes, when you came in, there were negative conversations about both organizations. Yeah. Um, how were you able to manage these types of organizations when they're high profile, but they're going through kind of turbulent times? Uh, I may disappoint you with that one, but it's so simple. It's a lot of clear communications. Okay. See any secrets at all? Brutal. First of all, uh, brutal. There's a couple of steps. Brutal recognition internally of the issues and be okay. ready to discuss them. One manager might not see in the same as the other. So I I have a thing. I have a thing called the uh, 11 lessons that I've learned. And lesson number three is get the data. 
Okay. So after everybody has spoken, then you go and get the data. Can you support your argument? Can you support your opinion? Or it's just your brother-in-law or your two cousins that are saying that. And I, although I respect that, it's not reflective and I cannot apply that to the overall general population or the total fans, whatever. So brutal recognition of the fact, if it needs actual fixing and you can do it, fix it. Uh, if it's reputational, then fix it in a way uh, that that changes the the whatever it was that like in in the queue for instance it was reputational but it was things that was done 30 years ago that, that yeah. was mainly in the media so fix it explain it and then step up to the mic okay don't let anybody else define your own story just go out acknowledge if it, it needs a, a acknowledgement um and then tell everybody what you did in order to fix those, that whatever happens, happens. I think people expect, like here at the queue when we came, when you're dealing with 450, 16 to 20 year old hockey player, you expect stuff will happen. Yeah. So nobody's expecting me to keep them in a cage and be angels, but they all expect me to react accordingly if something happens and not let it slide and not so I don't necessarily need to share when something happens, but I need to act. And if it ever goes out there, then we can say we've acted is what we've done. The player was suspended. The player was the team was, you know, got fined, whatever it was, we took action, you know. So because in our case, we have minors. So we have to be careful because even the law protect minors, as as you know. So uh, we have to be careful. But that would be the steps, you know. You have to recognize, you have to fix or take the steps to fix and then be transparent as much as you can if you're if you're talking to fans or if you're talking to stakeholders like fans in our case at the queue, but also parents. Okay. I'm always mindful of the mom and the dad of a 15-year-old um, that has a hockey talent. I want them to choose our league. Like, yeah. you know, just automatic. So she needs to understand the perception. And of course... Always understand that everything is perception, right? So you got to yeah. play the media a little bit. Uh, you got to play to those who may have an opinion, who may influence the opinion of the population or your target group, if you will. So you got to be got to be always mindful of that. You cannot you cannot let anything slide by. So I would yeah, say I would... that that's how we sort of did it in both cases with the house and with the. Um, and with the queue. Yeah, I think definitely just from like the fan perspective, that's what you that's what you want from your organizations to be transparent, open, honest about everything. And that, that that's crucial, honestly. Yeah, it is. And it's and as you'll see as you go into your business ventures in the future, it's very quite often uh, the answer is really right, right there. It's always obvious, yeah. it's always simple, but execution, emotions, people, different opinions get in the way sometimes of the very obvious solutions that you should do. Yeah, that, that's good for that's good for everyone listening to this uh, to know, honestly. Um, yeah, I guess the next question I have is, and kind of transitioning to, I guess, like the, the latter part of the podcast, um, what do you look for in hiring young people? Attitude. The okay. I would say you probably heard this before, but... Um, 
I will always choose attitude before aptitudes because aptitudes can be taught. And me and my career, the time in my career, um, I, I was born before the internet and the internet came when I was in my 12th or 13th year of career. So I literally saw, it's hard for, it's hard for you guys who are listening mostly to imagine a world without computers because yeah. it's always been there. Um, but that was, you can, you can easily imagine though, how, how major a shift it was. And I saw a for lot sure. of people that couldn't adapt. And I saw a lot of people that said, you know, uh, had all the, wanted to stay in their comfort shoes. Well, that's, that's the attitude I'm talking about. You need to, you need to have that. First of all, you know, everything that it brings passion, uh, honesty, uh, integrity, for sure. All the basis needs to be there. That's not questionable. Respect, obviously. Yeah. But then also that willingness to step into uh, areas that you're not 100 comfortable, being able to trust a partner, a colleague, a boss um, that that can guide you there, but knowing that it's mostly up to you. So yeah. I I 100% go for attitude and and I will I will tell you one I will give you an example somebody from McGill, uh, Alison Sobel, some okay. people might know her. She was on <laughs> this, uh, on this Wednesday. I don't know when you're going to broadcast this. So at the Alouettes parade, I hired her as my assistant. Okay. She wanted a career in football. So to your point of earlier, and now she's a great cup champ, and uh, she's in uh, football operations. She wanted oh, nice. to get into the Alouettes. And she literally told me in the interview, 23 years old, I believe, um, I'm a quick learner. Just trust me. I'll do everything. That's my life, my passion. That's what I want to do. So I think she was working with the athletics department at McGill. Okay. And um, I had three or four assistants, 20 years old. I mean, 20 years of experience. Would have come into the job and just be operational and manage the agenda. But she gave me so much attitude and power and yeah. willingness that it became an obvious choice. So she sat. She had never been, obviously, an assistant to a president. I said, it won't be long anyway. In a year or two, you'll be in football operations. But come and see what it's like from the inside. She did a tremendous job for me. Now she works with Danny Machocha. And remember her name, Alison Sobol. She okay. Probably be the general manager of the Alouettes when Danny retires in about 10 to 12 to 15 years. She's <laughs> right now. But remember that name. Uh, she's really a great, um, but to me, she personifies what I just told you. Yeah. Willing, doing the job. It's not always fun. There's tasks that are not fun. She always managed to do it. No complaint. You know, and if it's really sometimes, then you sit down and you talk. But to me, it's, starts and close to end with attitude. Obviously, because you take, you know, if I hire an accountant, I take for granted that he can count. You yeah. know, he can count, he can do the job. So what is left? The relationship with everybody else, the relationship within the office, the relationship within. And in these days with working from, from home, that also, that willingness to sometimes come and meet your partners and so on, that's very important. And after that, you sort of look for... Um, um, some form, depending on the job, obviously, but some form of 
comfort in what we described earlier, looking at the future, always looking out for how do I get better and how do we as a team get better is the question to me that's the one that as soon as I have you, you reach the director level, but you know, if you want to um, to get to that level, you also have to show it before you get to that level. You know, that sense of leadership, that to me, leadership is not at all linked to a title. And you know, and talk to your parents and talk to everybody. There's tons of examples. Yeah. People with very nice title that never demonstrated leadership at all. Um, takes guts to a certain extent. So you want to surround yourself. And I'm looking for people, finally, that I think is important, who will be willing down the road to replace me as always looking for your succession and always looking for um, people who are not afraid to um, to sort of uh, share and uh, take a pride in the teamwork, the team accomplishments. Okay. Uh, I don't believe in, I don't believe in, uh, in, um, heroes like you see in the movie or one person doing it all you know so so to me that always translates in a different way you know so if you know your weaknesses that's who you staff that's who you hire yeah. so therefore as a team with your partner you become much better all right well Mario, that was all the questions i had so i just want to say thank you so much for for taking time to speak with us that so was again, a great pleasure i hope it i hope it helps at least one person then i'll be yes. Well, at the very least, it helped me. So you've already achieved that. There you go. You just made me a happy man today. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, thank you so much. So everyone listening, I'm Kyle Sinnott, joined here today by Mara Ciccini, the commissioner of the QMJHL. And thank you so much for listening.